Welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast, in-depth conversations on transformation with Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the Transformation Talks podcast with me, Rajiv Dingra. Today, we are extremely excited. We have someone who is a global media leader. Let me first give you an introduction of who we have on today's podcast. It is Ben Jankowski. He is the Senior Vice President, Global Media for MasterCard. Uh, In this role, he's responsible for managing the MasterCard investment in marketing communications. This includes working with global, regional and local marketing teams, as well as agency partners to drive engagement and preference among MasterCard's core constituents. Ben has helped drive business success with the investments, driving productivity, innovation and impact in a very competitive marketplace. He has led teams that have been recognized with multiple awards for MasterCard's work around the world. Prior to MasterCard, Ben held roles virtually in every part of the media agency uh, process, whether planning, trading, both domestically in US, as well as in China, as well as running global business serving clients such as GE, PepsiCo, Johnson & Johnson, among many, many others. Ben is recognized in the marketing industry as a media leader and serves in leadership roles in industry groups such as Association of National Advertisers and World Federation of Advertisers, among others. Ben is a part of the new generation of marketers that are driving ownership and change on important media topics. And his work has helped shape some of the industry-leading initiatives today, including brand safety, cross-media measurement, privacy, among others. Ben is a frequent speaker on industry events and has spoken at almost every global media event and advertising event out there, be it CanLion, CES, Uh, CES, Festival of Media, Advertising Week in both UK and US, among many, many others. Ben is also passionate about growing the next generation of media professionals through various efforts at Temple University, his alma mater. We are privileged and proud to welcome Ben Jankowski to the Transformation Talks podcast. Welcome, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, Rajiv. Great. Uh, Ben, uh, you know, you had such an illustrious career, I think almost uh, two and a half decades plus uh, and and going strong in, uh, you know, media and marketing. And you probably have had the front row seat in seeing, uh, you know, how uh, marketing and advertising has changed from traditional to digital, uh, given your agency background. And then uh, most recently with MasterCard. Tell us, what do you feel is the future of digital marketing, in specific with the current cookie-less future in context of privacy moves with several players? You know, you you probably have a a better view globally than anybody else on this. Well, I'm not sure I have the, you know, a better view than anyone else. But I mean, it's certainly one of the biggest questions that we have to tackle today. Uh, And I think the most important thing, different people are different points of view on this, but I'm pretty convinced um, that the sky isn't falling. The world is not going to come to an end, and we're going to figure out how to replace the current environment that we're in. Uh, I think it's obvious that we have to, you know, test and learn our way through it. I think one of the benefits of a delay, we we showed a slide recently, we were doing a presentation, and and we threw up a couple headlines for uh, you know, for, for the presentation. Um, and the only thing, you know, all about like the end of the cookless world, all that stuff. 
And one of the things that we put at the end was these are all headlines from the year 2013. <laughs> so we've been talking about this for a really long time. And I think that the latest delay just gives us more time. I, and I'm pressing my organization, don't give yourself the excuse to wait another year to do something about this. We have to, we, the industry, including MasterCard, we have to test our way. You know, we have to test and learn our way through this. Right. There's a lot of different things that we have to tackle. We have to tackle what are we going to do about identity and what's our, what's our data strategy? What are we going to do about audiences and targeting and how do we activate? It sounds really good to have a great data strategy. If you can't activate it, then you're, then, then you're just talking to yourself. And lastly, most importantly, how do you, how do you measure and report? So I think that you know, today there's over 100 solutions. I, we had a partner who showed us the list of all the companies who have an interest in identity today. Now, all of them are not, you know, long-term players in, you know, solutions, but we have to figure out where we need to place our bets. We have to test on our way through it. It's a more, it's either a bigger challenge or a bigger opportunity being a global advertiser because we, we advertise in 64 countries. And one of the things that we've learned is the same thing doesn't work in the small little country that I'm sitting in right now, which is the United States, as well as it works in, you know, Works in Africa, works in Latin America, works in you know, works in Asia. So, you know, we have the opportunity. We have to, we have to, we have to test and learn our way through. Um, you know, where should we place our bets? And that's a, that needs to be you know a rigorous, disciplined process. We need to figure out, take the hundred or so identity solutions that are out there, and figure out where to place our bets. And that is that's a lot of work, um, but it needs to be it needs to be done, and, and we need to figure it out. We've we're starting to test and wear our learning through stuff. And, and one of the most encouraging things is we did one test with one partner um, in a less developed country. I won't get into too many details. And the answer was the cookie-less solution that a partner, one of our technology partners had, provided the same results as a cookie, cookie solution. So, you know, we're confident. You know, the sky's not falling. We'll figure it out. Will we have to be more, you know, contextually relevant, then we have to be like personal, you know, that, probably, and that's okay. Right. So, you know, we have a, you know, there's a, there's a tipping point between, you know, if we do an amazing job with contextual relevance, which to be honest, you can do without having the, you know, the deeply personalized messaging that some people do today, in some cases, that's just as effective as you need to be. So sky's not falling. But that being said, we got a lot of work to do to figure out what the plan is. Yeah, and, and just on this topic, I think global advertisers uh, are going uh, a couple of different ways, right? Some of them are uh, building their own CDP. Some of them uh, think uh, CDP is the solution. Some of them are looking at efforts to build their own graph IDs uh, with first party data. Yep. Uh, which route do you think uh, is, uh, you know, I mean, based on your uh, wealth of experience, which are the multiple routes and, and uh, is there a single route for global advertisers at all or, or there are different, uh, different no, uh, paths for different advertisers? Yeah, there's, there's no, I don't think there's a single route for, I don't even think there's a single route for an individual advertiser because, you know, I would be very surprised if everything around your business, including your identity graph, your access to first-party information. If you have the same first-party information in Western Europe and you know, developed countries like the U.S. and Western Europe, as you do in less developed parts of the world, you are 
you know, it's it, that's an abnormality, right? So through the mix of whether they be partners, whether in some cases they be retail customers, whether they be other places that you get data, in almost every case, and we it's certainly the case for MasterCard, our data graph looks very different depending on the country. Um, so I, find, I think that's pretty common. Um, I, I find very few advertisers who can sit there and say on virtually anything, and identity is one of those things that you, know, we'd, you would add to that pile, where the same conditions exist everywhere in the world. Like every country has got its nuances. I think one of the pieces of magic that we have to do as global people is you, we, we can't, we advertise, we haven't advertised in 64 countries. There aren't 64 different answers, but there isn't one. So us trying to figure out how do we build that common denominator? How do we build that puzzle? If you think about it like a puzzle, how do we build that for ourselves? In some cases, it will be, you know, we will have the opportunity to use some of our own data. Um, you know, the biggest, you know, challenge for us is, you know, privacy and, and, and safety. There's nothing more important to our brand than the safety and security of our customers and our, and, you know, consumers' identities, right? And we won't cross that, you know, that's one of the first things that we won't cross. So, you know, every, it's going to change. I don't mean to sound too, I'm not trying to complicate it, but it's also not as simple as, yeah, I got one solution and I can roll that everywhere in the world because it's not the case in my experience. I, I agree with you. And and one of the, uh, you know, conversations uh, we were having on this podcast earlier was this, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, comparison between deterministic and probabilistic models of uh, identifying identity. And yep. uh, the common consensus is that deterministic is humanly not possible in, in all countries. Uh, right. You know, uh, while it, you know some players do it in the U.S., but for global advertisers like yourself, it is clear uh, at least today that it will be a combination of deterministic and probabilistic, and probably seventy percent will be probabilistic post twenty twenty three. Would that be correct to say? I haven't thought of the number in the way of like seventy thirty eighty twenty. You know, I haven't so, thought of the number that way, but I think that definitely it's going to be it's going to be a combination. It's because of our data sets and our and our business sophistication and what we get from partners. Yeah, there's definitely not one path. And the marriage between probabilistic and deterministic is, you know, we're going to have to figure that out as a, you know, every marketer is going to have to figure it out. And I think that, um, yeah, we, I haven't thought through what that percentage is, but I agree with you fundamentally. Okay, excellent. And, and moving from identity, which is definitely a, a evolving uh, topic as, as we speak today in 2021, we still have two, three years to see where that goes. But moving from that to silos, you know, digital, digital media and marketing, especially media, media execution and media data, uh, media reporting, all of it has a lot of silos uh, that has come in. You know, there's a, there's, there is this, uh, uh, th there's this industry wave of open web versus walled garden, uh, if I may say so, with the yeah. rise of the mighty trade desk. Uh, and of course, Google, Facebook are still cornering more than 60 to 70 percent of global media spends on digital marketing. And how do you how do you uh, foresee the problem of silos? Because now there are so many social platforms, so many digital platforms, uh, so many DSPs which have uh, USPs in specific markets. Uh, for someone who's you know sitting on the chair of a global media and wears the hat of a global advertiser, how do you solve for media and data and reporting silos in digital marketing, which seems to get more and more fragmented? 
No, I think you're right. I think it's been a phenomenon. And I would take it a step further. It's it's not just you know social media or the big platforms. Depending upon the country, broadcasters have worked to build you know to build their own ecosystems. Um, almost everybody has. It used to be you used to be able to you know people would go out and sell you data so that you could um, you know so that you could target. And in today's day and age. Fewer people want to sell you data and more people want to, you know, want to, you know, you to buy media through them, you know, while you're using their data. So, and that's not, um, while that helps the media owner and it, and it creates a bespoke environment for them to work in, it doesn't help us. It doesn't help me tell the overall holistic picture. Um, so the problem of solving this, it's a very big problem. Um, and I, I, I call it, you know, it's a, it's a generational opportunity, right? We've been fighting this problem at its root for not just since, you know, Google and Facebook. We've been fighting this problem as long as there have been, you know, multiple media. And I think that it really kind of goes to, um, if we think about all the things that make, it's, it's been compounded because all the things that make the new digital landscape amazing also come with risks. Consumer, to, I mean, today, the most important solve we have to do in this space, the consumer experience today sucks, being really so blunt. True. Like consumers have become disgusted with ads, more and more ad blockers, fewer and fewer attention. Now, why is that? Because we can't manage the experience. We show them too many ads. They see too many ads. They show We show them irrelevant ads. We as an industry, we have to solve this. We have to solve for this. And I think that, you know, the efforts that people are making in the cross-media measurement space is where I think the industry needs to go. Um, and it requires uncommon collaboration, right? So, you know, we, ha we have to break down the silos of getting, you know, everybody in their own little world. So, I mean, we've, you know, some people have been successful. You know, we, you know people have been successful Marketers have realized, and we talked about when you're in your introduction, we talked about, you know, some of the efforts that we're making as the marketing organization. Marketers have realized that this ecosystem isn't making enough progress. And that's being polite. That's, that's the understatement of the day. So the groups like the WFA, of which you called out, I'm the, you know, the, the chair of the media uh, committee, um, the media forum, the, and the ANA. And ISBA, which are, as, as, the view, as the listeners may know, are the big associations both globally and in the UK and the US, um, we're working really hard at trying to make progress with marketers, agencies, platforms, and associations, and, and other media owners, right? So we're trying to pull those people together so that we can build a model, you know, and we've got, you know, some of these partners, we've got Google and Facebook. You know, and, and some TV broadcasters sitting at a table figuring out how we can build privacy-safe identity solutions so that we can truly, once and for all, manage cross-media measurement performance. We have to figure that out. Individual companies can't go off rogue doing their own thing. And I know a lot of people are trying. It's interesting, right? We've gone for, without getting on too much of a tangent. We used to always teach people that the first aim of success was to be differentiated. So everybody would take their own media type and they'd build their own differentiated measurement scheme to, to facilitate their business. And like right. that made sense for their business. But as a marketer, if I've got, you know, 
one ruble or drachma or you know name your favorite currency to spend i got to figure out where to spend it across all these platforms so until we make progress until we find that uncommon collaboration that i talk about um it's going to be really hard and i think that we're making progress isba and the ana and the wfa are making progress in 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 their own countries and you know i think we have to do something like that and that requires that requires a village it's not going to happen with just marketers it's got to happen. We have to get the platforms. The platforms are the big digital platforms are engaged because they don't want to. They'd love to build a global solution because they don't want to run around and have to build a hundred of them. Um, and I think that other parts of the ecosystem are starting to realize the value for everybody in figuring out, you know, how to make the supply chain better. And again, ultimately, it comes down to consumers and making them creating a better experience for consumers. Hopefully, that made sense. No, I, I, I love how you defined it, uh, generational opportunity. Uh, I, I love how you said that because, um, and, and what I hear you say that, yes, of course, uh, there are individual companies that are uh, creating aggregation platforms, but uh, what it would also need is all these different stakeholders to come together and, and sort of work together uh, to uh, make sure that the, at the end of the day, the client who pays for all this advertising is is not left, uh, you know, trying to uh, piece uh, two hundred pieces of puzzles together. Yeah, um, I can't yeah. put the puzzles all together by myself. We have to we have to build a bridge to put those puzzles together. I, I hear you, but uh, you know, uh, so so in let's just digging this a little deeper. Yeah. In in an ideal scenario, what would be the holy grail for for a global marketer? It would be at least on the digital marketing front, where data is is uh, available through APIs and stuff to basically put all data dashboard, creative media reporting, everything in a single platform that's harmonized and 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 possibly the ability to uh, uh, then uh, target uh, uh, you know across different channels on a single uh, console as well as have cross media analytics at least across the digital platforms uh, that currently are siloed. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to say we want to try. I mean, digital platforms, depending upon the country, only represent, you know, 40, 50 percent of usage, right? maybe 60, 70 percent in some countries. So, again, if you're asking me my holy grail, I would love to try to solve for I'd love to try to solve for all video. So that's linear TV and that's digital video and video is not that be all and end all. I appreciate there's a lot going on in audio and visual. I mean, I'm not naive nor trying to be too video centric, but let's face it, videos where probably, you know, a large chunk, probably 75, 80% of, if not investment, but effectiveness goes. Um, I would love to solve for being able to understand the consumer experience across, being able to understand, manage, and optimize the consumer experience across video. So stop presenting you and me. If you, you know, if you watch streaming TV in, in the United States and I watch a lot of sports on streaming platforms, I see the same ad 20, 30 times, and that's just not acceptable. It just turns people off. So my my holy grail is building a building the ability for us to be able to manage those consumer experiences so that we can, you know, so that we can be more productive and more valuable. 
Very interesting. It, it seems like the first question and the second question uh, come together to form the holy grail, right? You're talking about a graph ID that uh, allows you to know uh, uh, who you are targeting and hence control that person's experience and a unification platform that allows you cross-media uh, activation, uh, reporting, monitoring, optimization, so that you can then, uh, at a flick of a switch, move from media to media uh, and, and optimize that experience for this consumer knowing I want, graph ID. I want Rajiv to see, I want you to see the right amount of frequency. And when you see enough frequency for one message, I want to move you to another message. I want to I want to be able to manage that experience. Yeah. And I think exactly. that that's, you know, that, that's, that sounds really pie in the sky. And it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's very aspirational. But that's kind of, I think that's the root, the root cause of consumer, you know, the growth in ad blockers and the growth in, you know, the amount of dislike of advertising is rooted in, we don't, we don't engage our audiences well enough. So I think that's what we have to try to figure out. It's a huge, and again, it's a generational opportunity. If it were easy, we would have done it 30 years ago. It's really hard. And there's a lot of dynamics. And to be honest, one of the things that we've learned is I feel a little, you know, I'm not trying to be too controversial. The challenges are less technical and more, you know, more political and more, you know, business, you know, risk than they are technical because the technical you know, aspects aren't easy, but they're not as hard as people's uncertainty with you know different audiences on different groups uncertainties with changing the status quo some people love the status quo and hate it at the same time i've had conversations with media owners who hate that the digital you know the digital companies have gone in but you know i i've had many conversations with media owners who hate the fact that google and facebook have grown their advertising spend so fast and at the same time, when I sit in a room and say, well, that's why I'm here, because we need to find uncommon collaboration, you need to measure alongside of them, they're uncomfortable with that too. So it's like, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too, to use an American expression. It's like, people have to be, you know, people have to take risks and people have to, it's a, it's, you know, again, it's a generational opportunity for, for a reason. It's really hard, but I think we're making progress. That's, that is amazing. Uh so let me, you know, uh, you know, and, and what we're really talking about is uh, as as all media becomes more and more digital, including uh, uh, a lot of uh, availability of TV targeting uh, yeah. through CTV. You know, there is it, it is an eventuality. Uh, five oh, years, absolutely. seven no years, uh, ten years down the line, uh, when you say video, you, all video will be digital uh, eventually, including oh, video. 100%. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so what we're really talking about are unification of two stacks. You know, uh, the martech and and at tech stacks. And 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 do you see this a challenge? Because today the industry, as you as you rightly pointed out in this in the beginning, they're just hundreds and thousands of solutions, uh, hundred identity players. If you were to combine martech and ad tech players and say they are mad tech players, there'd be at least eight thousand or more. Globally, uh, oh, right? Uh, what do you believe needs to change in the current market for better integration between these two stacks uh, that applies to global market marketers like yourself? Because I mean, honestly, uh, I'm surprised that more players are not building for global clients that that contribute a very large percentage of global advertising budgets. Yeah, it, it's an amazing, it's a great question. You hit, the, you hit the nail on the head of one of the biggest things that we think about. And 
people, you know, sometimes when I'm doing, you know, I'm talking to people, doing interviews and things like that. People, you know, people ask you, like, what keeps you awake at night, Ben? Um, it's those damn Lumiscape charts. I mean, it's, you know, it's an amazing, you know, piece. But if everybody's seen those charts, the Lumiscape and Terry Kawaja and, and Luma, the investment bank. Right. You know, they, they create these charts. And, you know, there's, there's 5,000 companies just in the media ecosystem. We don't need 5,000 companies in the media ecosystem. Um, I'm not sure that, I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that integrating marketing tech and media tech is, you know, ad tech and media tech is the answer. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the biggest opportunity, but we, we definitely have to thin out the herd. We definitely have to focus. I mean, at one point, we talked earlier in the podcast about everybody who's got a piece of data doesn't want to sell it to help people target now. They want to be a medium. Um, you know, and I think that helps compound the problem because it's just like the same challenge that we had before around trying to put the puzzle together. We have the same problem in advertising technology, right? So we have, whether it be across all the different things. I mean, you know, ad serving sounds like the simplest, easiest thing there is to do. But if you've ever had a you know exercise where you try to say, is everybody in your ecosystem, in my case, in my 64 countries, is everybody using the exact same taxonomy and ad serving? You know, that is not, that is not an assumption. You know, that, that's like, you know, there's always somebody out there who, you know, in the case of MasterCard, it's a great example. You know, did they spell it with, do you spell it, you know, is there a capital C or just a C? Is there a space between the C? And that sounds really stupid. But it's the most basic thing that we get to. And if we don't do the basic blocking and tackling right around the most simplest tech forms, um, you know, it all fails, right? So we have to figure out, we have to thin out the herd, right? I am surprised um, there hasn't been more um, integration between technology partners. I think there's some really interesting things that are going on, right? Obviously, Google has their own self-standing stack. And, and some people, I was on the phone with a friend last week who is, um, you know, who's a sophisticated marketer, and they do everything with the Google stack. They said, we're just going to keep it all together. And that probably helps them find consistency. I'm not sure necessarily that Google, we, we've made the determination that Google is not always best in class in every single market. So the, so the question becomes, as long as you are not buying one system, you have to figure out how to cobble that all together. I think that there's there's too many players out there. Um, we need to focus on the most important things. And I also think that we don't spend enough time driving real business success. If you, I, re I report to the, to the global chief marketing officer, Raja Raja Manar, um, and if you ask Raja what his objectives are, it's, you know, build a strong brand for our customers and consumers and drive revenue. You know, when you sit there and say, how many times do we sit there and look at our, our media technology stacks and we look at the things that we measure and it's, you know, it's click-through rates and viewability and all these things that, you know, that don't connect to, you know, real tangible business solutions. So I would say, I'm rambling around a little bit. I would say, I want to focus and get, you know, we've got to get away from 5,000 companies and everybody's got to focus and be organized and be specific about what are the five or six different categories you need to excel at and, and driving them through the organization. Um, I do think there'll be, there should be 
um, a thinning out of the process again. Right, right now, we have too many people, you know, too many DSPs or too many supply choices. And we have to thin that out. I totally agree. And, and that's interesting. So you're saying, you know, not just the multiple players, but uh, how does a marketer draw a straight line from yeah. investments to revenue uh, right. using MarTech and AdTech? Can someone solve for that? Right. Yeah, because uh, like, it, unless you're a performance, unless you're a direct, you know, and you can manage your own channels, if you're, you know, digital marketer selling app downloads or you're, or you're, you know, literally selling transactions online, you're a, you know, you're a travel company booking, you know, booking revenue, things like that. And they're, you know, unless you're one of those companies, you know, making that leap, if you have any degree of brand marketing, making that leap in, you know, in this ecosystem is really hard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very interesting. And coming from that comes our next question. You know, some are making that leap, right? Uh, which is essentially uh, digital first brands. You're right. You know, they they probably can take digital in house. Amazon uh, does it uh, uh, possibly. Uh, but there has there has been a media in housing stroke programmatic in housing uh, sort of marketers moving media excellence center in house, leaving the operations externally, but but uh, unifying sort of. Uh, the you know investing in data science, investing in tech, uh, uh, and you know uh, sort of scaling uh, that in-house piece. In which cases do you think in-housing is workable, and in, in which they don't? You know, uh, and, and do you really believe that global uh, businesses, which are not classically digital first, uh, uh, will ever be able to in-house globally or just pockets regionally? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's probably the one I debate with my with my marketer friends the most. Um, I have a very specific point of view, and it is pretty anti in housing. Um, I think that I, I see very few cases where in housing really really works. So I see the attraction. I see where people say, "Well, I have a lot of data, and I need to protect it," which is, makes perfect sense. But if you think about, so you have two choices. You, know, you have a lot of data and you want to protect it. You have two choices. One, you can work with your privacy lawyers and build a airtight, rock solid, you know, language contract, which is not easy. I, I understand and appreciate. I've spent, you know, we've spent, some of our data privacy agreements have taken a really long time to get done. So I can get a great ironclad um, data privacy agreement in place with my partners, whether it be an agency, whether it be a technology company, you know, whatever, whoever's buying my media for me, or I can bring it in-house and I can, yes, I, I don't have as many security concerns about my data, but what do I have to do? I have to go buy technology. I have to go replicate that same technology. So many of my friends I've said, when you truly mean in-housing, do you mean you know, literally going buying technology and putting people in your in your four walls with hands on keyboard. How do you get the best people? I'm convinced I can't get the best people to want to be a programmatic buyer just for one single brand or one single company. So how do I attract the best talent? How do I, you know, how do I get that best technology? Um, and then the other part is like, unless it's a very unique business, and I'll talk about that in a sec, how do you integrate programmatic with everything else? If let's say my digital, let's say digital's 50% of my spend, I'm a big consumer-driven brand. Let's say digital's half my spend. And let's say that programmatic is, let's say it's 75% of that. That's only a third of my spend. 
how do I integrate a third of my spend with the other 66% of my spend that you've got somebody else doing the work? So I'm a fan of, I want to keep everything you know together. I think that it's easier to get that great contract in place. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still agency. I, I still think the agencies are our best resource, not just because as you mentioned in the intro, I'm a, you know, I've, I was an agency guy for a long time, right? And I yeah. live it and breathe it and I'm still sensitive to their plight. There's a lot of things that have to change and I suspect we'll talk about that. Um, I still think that keeping things within, you know, within, you know, within agencies is, is still the best route to go for the things I just talked about. Now, the exception would be if I'm a performance marketer, the same example I used before, if I'm a performance marketer and I'm just looking at, you know, cost per leads, cost per acquisition, cost per bookings, things like that. If I'm doing most of my marketing digitally and I'm really measuring results in real time, that's probably an exception. Um, but other than that, I think that too many people, it sounds cool and easy. Now, the other qualifier is also what do people think about when they say I'm in-housing? Now, is in-housing me going out and picking a partner? And telling the agency to go, you know, go work with that partner. To me, that's not in-housing. That's, you know, specifying a product and having the agency execute. But to me, in-housing is like you've taken that process, perhaps bought a piece of technology, and you moved hands on keyboard inside your four walls. And I think in very few cases that worked. Makes sense. So what you're saying is if in-housing is uh, real-time access to your data, reporting, activation, uh, uh, a graph ID, all of that access real time on on a single platform to you, uh, while your agency does the 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 grunt work, so as to say, of strategy and execution. Uh, that still is in housing from a from a from a data insight strategy and what you call access perspective uh, at a global level, uh, uh, drill down to let's say a regional and local level. Uh, but that would be the ideal situation of the benefits of in-housing without the headaches of in-housing, which is hiring uh, people on your roles uh, and you know constantly trying to build a product yourself. So as yeah, well. I, I don't see people doing that. I don't see. I want to keep the agency involved. I, I I will. I am a lot more active than my predecessors were, and we were you know about picking who the right partners are. If we yeah. think about our technology stack, we were blessed with a really good partner, a consultant who helped us make our technology really simple. We broke it into seven, you know, seven buckets and none of them will surprise you, but we, you know, we kept our technology stack into a place where it was like manageable and understandable. And um, we told the agency to go execute against that. Right. So, you know, we don't, you know, we, we may pick our partners and a lot of people define in-housing that way. You know, I've talked to many friends and marketers who were like, well, they don't, they say they're in housing just because it sounds cool, but it really just means they picked the partner and told the agency, go work with this DSP, this trade desk, this technology, you know, brand safety partner, et cetera. So if you're really talking about in housing, about like literally your own people on keyboard, not a fan. Sure, fair. And, and let's, you know, we are, we, are, we are at the last question for this podcast uh, in the interest of time. We wanted to get your views on what needs to change in the media agency and media buying world in this coming decade. Uh, what kind of disruptions do you foresee? And maybe what's your wish that there would be some change, uh, you know, if you, could, if you could give us an insight into that. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And we've been talking about it. You know, I mean, again, I've been, I was an agency guy. I started as an agency guy. Um, I lived through, I was, you know, there when agencies became separated from creative media agencies, separated from creative agencies. And a lot of people think, oh, that was, that was the problem. And we should have never separated. And the, the solution is moving the creative agency of the media agencies together. The good old days weren't that good for media people. Like, you know, the product that we separated because we made a better product. So, you know, there definitely needs to be an evolution. I think one, there's a couple of things I would, I would say. I mean, agencies have to stop thinking that they control everything. I would love the ideal scenario for my agency to think that they're an orchestrator and they have an orchestra of baton rather than, rather than trying to control everything. And there are financial reasons why people want to control everything, but it doesn't work. I, I talked earlier about you know uncommon collaborations. The agency, in my opinion, agencies can't think that some of these things are proprietary information. Cross-media measurement should not be an agency proprietary piece of work. The industry has to pull together or it's not going to go to scale. Mark Pritchard, who is the CMO of P&G, he mentioned at a trade, a, a, trade, a trade conference a couple of years ago, it took him a really long time to realize, even though he's the biggest marketer in the United States, it makes him about 5% of the total market share in the United States. So it's not a, it shouldn't be, you know, agencies doing a lot of the work that they do they used to think was confidential work product. We, I get to these, I, I use the word uncommon collaboration a lot. How we all make, you know, make progress around things like cross-media measurement, things like brand safety, things like, you know, um, you, know uh, you know, solidarity and making sure that, you know, minority audiences, which is, a, which is a big issue in the United States right now, and it's probably, a, you know, it's going to be a big issue in other countries. Those are industry-wide things we have to evolve and not like, you know, so we have to build those uncommon collaborations. Um, it's been really slow, right? Part of it, and to be fair, it's not all the agency's fault. Part of it being really slow is the client's fault. I mean, clients continue to beat up agencies on fees. And not to say that I don't have my moments, but I mean, I think that, you know, my agency experience has made me a good client of knowing what's fair and reasonable and knowing what's not fair. And you know, <laughs> yeah. So clients beating up agencies on fees, clients thinking that, you know, marketers thinking that agencies are banks, you know, and trying to stretch out payment terms and stuff like that. So part of this is the marketer's fault but it's really, really slow. So building that uncommon collaboration, realizing they can't control everything, but you know, providing a real value add to you know, integrate everything together is really, really powerful. And I think that's the, that's the, you know, the wave of the future. That is uh, amazing. Thank you, Ben. I think uh, there have been some amazing nuggets of uh, insights uh, as part of this uh, podcast. You know, just to summarize for the audiences, the generational opportunity is is how to solve the media and data silos and not just in digital marketing but in marketing and media marketing as a whole uh, you know uh, you know programmatic in-housing only constitutes about you know even if you are an aggressive programmatic advertiser only constitute constitutes about 33 percent of your overall spend the bigger challenge is how do you you know connect that 33 percent to the rest 66 percent and i think the the word that you used I'll, I'll use it again the uncommon collaboration the need of the hour 
of the industry so that they can agree on on a graph id so that they can agree on unification of media uh, you know centralization of data and and if possible simplification of execution on the media front uh, so that marketers uh, like ben and others can scale their spends not just on digital but overall uh, the operation of advertising uh globally can become more more effective and and valuable at the end to the consumers whose experience exactly needs right. to improve right the value to the consumer is what we're all doing this for we're investing to you know to you know to interact with consumers and i think you nailed it right on the head it's like the, the you know our goal is to make consumers want to consume our content and i think all the things that you summarized were um it's a good summary of of my overall themes great uh, thanks so much ben i really appreciate it this was an exciting conversation and uh, uh, please uh, do uh, subscribe to the transformation talks and i'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, this conversation to all our listeners thank you so much thank you ben thank you thanks for the time thanks for the invite thanks for listening to the transformation talks podcast hosted by rajiv dingra founder and ceo of rdx network Tune in next week for another interesting episode.